0: Amen. Colossians chapter number one. Colossians chapter number one. You know where we're at. Uh, We've been there for nine weeks. Amen. Colossians chapter number one. Hopefully we'll be able to finish up tonight. This is a this is a real good study. It's going to seem a little bit uh, like review or very, very elementary, but it's really not. Uh, Paul kind of gets personal and, and begins to describe ministry and uh, what we are doing, what we're supposed to be doing, uh, and, and just in detail. And it, it, like I said, sometimes you have to go to the basics. You know, I, I, read, I read somewhere uh, that Vince Lombardi would start the season every year with all those seasoned NFL players. Now, you got to think, if you're in the NFL, you've probably played football your entire life. You've always been the best player on the best team in, in, in the whole county and in the state. And, you know, by the time you get up to the NFL, uh, you have you you are a seasoned football player. But he would always go back and start the year and he would hold up a football and he'd say, Gentlemen, this is a football. Are y'all with me? I would be like me coming in here saying, guys, this is what we call a Bible. Are y'all with me? This is a football. Defense, you keep it from getting in that end zone. Offense, you get it in the end zone. In other words, he always went back to the basics. And I'm not sure if you know this or not, but he was a fairly good coach. Would you say amen? Uh, they, they named the Super Bowl trophy after him. So he kind of knew what he was talking about. And so what Paul is doing here, it's almost like he's going back to the basics to understand this is what we're supposed to be doing, this is where we're at. And, and we're going to look at really three things that you see in these particular, uh, these particular verses to finish up chapter number one. Uh, let's, let's, let's review the title. Let's talk about the title. Say it with me. A minister, minister a minister. and a minister. It almost kind of sounds like the beginning of a joke, doesn't it? You know, a minister, and anyway, okay. Trying to lose some of y'all up. Some of y'all look tired. Y'all tired as I feel. Amen. Uh, But that's what we see in this particular set of verses. A minister, a mystery, and a mission. So let's begin reading in verse number 23. If you found your spot, say amen. amen. We stopped here. We stopped here at the beginning part of this verse last week. And so let's finish it up. It says, if ye continue in the faith grounded and settled... And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. I'm glad the gospel is for everybody. Amen. It's for everybody. When he says every creature, he's not, he's not meaning for the rabbits and the squirrels and the, and the bugs. He's talking about it's for every person. doesn't matter if you're black or white. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Doesn't matter if you're ignorant or educated. It, it matters not. The gospel is for everybody Jew, Gentile, it does not matter. It was, it was given to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. Now, that's a little odd to talk about suffering. And rejoicing in the same sentence. But he says, listen, I'm rejoicing. He said, and I fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Now, what's he saying there? The, the haters and the enemies of Christ hated him so much, they didn't get enough hating just by killing him. So they begin to persecute those who followed him. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I'm finishing it up. Uh, they didn't just stop with Jesus. They're persecuting me because I'm following Jesus. And, and ladies and gentlemen, you're going to find out that the, the Bible says evil likes darkness because they're sin, right? People love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. They're sinful. And, and you'll find out that there's going to be people that hate you because of who you're following, They're going to hate, they hate Jesus, so they're going to hate you. Now, he goes, he keeps on saying, he keeps on saying, he says in verse number, uh, uh, verse number 25, whereof I am made a, there's that word again. Now he's talking about the church there. He said, uh, "I'm, I'm suffering, I'm suffering in my flesh for the body's sake. The body is the church, the bride of Christ. And for the church, I'm made a minister. According to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery mystery, which hath been hid from the ages and from the generations but now is made manifest in his saints. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you the hope of glory whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. All right, let's pray, and we'll get started today. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege and the honor it is to be in your house I I don't take this for granted, Lord. This is a this is an awesome, awesome opportunity. It is it is not something uh, uh, that we should ever, ever take for granted. I pray, Lord, that you will bless us now, Lord. This is your word, and I pray that you'll speak to us. I pray that you'll edify us, encourage us, Lord. There's a lot of people here and they're wore out. They've been working all day. And Lord, they come tonight to be encouraged they come to be uh, uh, blessed. They come to grow and to learn. And Lord, I pray they won't leave disappointed. I pray that you'll help me. Fill me with your spirit. Holy Spirit, guide every word that I say. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And don't let me forget anything I should. Lord, I pray that you'll guide us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Let's go back, let's go back and look in verse number 23, and we'll see the word gospel there. We'll see the word gospel. It says, "We have preached the gospel to every creature. And he said, Paul, Paul says, I am made a minister." So let's start with that first word, if you're taking notes. Let's start with that first word. We see in this a, a minister. We see uh, not only a minister, but we see, Uh, a a mystery and then a mission. We're going to finish up with that. But let's look at the minister. Let's look at the minister. All right? Two words. Two words we're going to define. Two words we're going to define. One is dispensation and the other is minister. Okay? Uh, uh, Minister here in this particular uh, instance is the word uh, diakonos. Diakonos. And it basically means a steward, an attendant, a waiter. If you imagine, if you imagine a a, a busboy, if you will, that's a good that's a good term uh, to describe. It's 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 probably uh, 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 I don't want to say the lowest because there's no low job. I don't care what job you do. If you work, that's great. Say Amen. amen. But in in the, in the economy in a restaurant, he's talking about the guy who would come and clean your table after you're through eating. That's what he's saying. Paul is declaring himself. To be a servant, to be a busboy, to be a lowly, humble position. Now, that's a little odd coming from the greatest missionary that ever lived. It's a little odd coming from the apostle to the Gentiles, over all the Gentiles. It's a little odd coming from probably the greatest church planner that there ever was. It's a little odd coming from somebody who has, has, has written many scriptures that God included in his Bible. What I'm trying to say is when I look at all the Christians that ever was, Paul is way up there. Are y'all with me? But what does he call himself? I'm just a bus boy. Man, we need to learn from that. You know, minister doesn't mean the same thing today is really what Paul is saying. There was even a place in scripture where Paul calls himself a slave, a doulos. Just, I'm just a slave. Slave has no rights. You know, I'm a slave of the gospel. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. You know, you, you see the word minister put in front of somebody's name and it's really a high position that the minister of finance or the, uh, the minister of education. But Paul is not using that term. It's not a term derived for somebody who is in, in, important in himself, but it's a humble position. I am a servant. And if we're a true minister, and by the way, by the way, if Paul was that, how much more should we be that? I mean, I, 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 I can't even imagine anywhere close to being where he's at. But he says, hey, I'm just going to clean some tables. I'm, I'm a busboy. I'm, I'm a servant. I am an attendant. Then we use the word dispensation. That word means administration, to administer, you know, organize things, put things together. Administration or stewardship. Stewardship. Now, let me me give you the definition of stewardship. It means to manage a household as a steward of someone else's possessions. In other words, they have resources, but it doesn't belong to them. They are just managing them. Say that with me. They are just... Managing them. The steward had oversight of the other servants and handled the business and financial affairs of the household. That freed the owner to travel and pursue other interests. Being a steward was thus a position of great trust and responsibility in the ancient world. Now why am I emphasizing all that? Listen. The steward gave the household owner the ability to travel and do business. Did Jesus not go to heaven and say, I go to prepare a place for you? Right? He said, I'm going to have to leave. I've got business to take care of, but I'm leaving you behind to be a steward of my business. Y'all with me? The church, the, the ministry, the ministry, this thing we call ministry, serving people and winning people and, and developing people and, and educating people, evangelizing people, all of that is his business that he has left in our stewardship. And when you see yourself anything other than a servant, a busboy in ministry, You've got the wrong idea. You've got the wrong idea. We're stewards. Paul is saying, I'm just a steward. I'm just a servant. I'm just a busboy. I'm I'm just one who helps clean tables. I I have resources, but they're not my own. I have responsibilities, but they're not my own. I'm just a steward. I've been given this stewardship by God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, let's look at three things that we see in these verses where Paul says he's a minister of or he he has stewardship over, has a responsibility with, if that makes sense. All right. First, first, I want you to see this. He's a minister, a servant, a, a steward of the gospel. He's a steward of the gospel. Look what he says in verse 23. He says, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, which was preached to every creature, which is under heaven. Watch this now. Whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. minister." Now, what is he saying? He's saying, I'm a steward of the gospel. The gospel has been given to me and entrusted. That's, that's That's a key word. Man, I hope that you're getting that tonight. It has been entrusted to us. We've been given a treasure. We've been given a great thing. It's called the gospel. It's called the good news. Are y'all with me? And it's been given to us. It's been entrusted to us to use the resources well. All right, what would they do with the resources? They would invest them. You remember when Jesus talked about the, the people with the different talents. And one had five and he went out and made 10. One had 10 and he went out and made 20. One had one and he went and buried it. Didn't do anything with it. And the Lord wasn't very happy with that. Are y'all with me? Yes. Let me ask you a question. What are you doing with the gospel that you have stewardship over? Amen. You see, he has left it to us. He's gone to prepare us a place. And if he has gone to prepare us a place, he said, I will come again. Amen. Uh, I, I, I remember, I remember goofing off at home one time, getting a little rambunctious, me and my brother and, and my mom said something that, that just, it was amazing the change in my life that took place. <laughs> Your daddy's fixing to be home. Now, you may not have had one like I had, but if you had one like I had, immediately you turned into the Apostle Paul <laughs> or Mother Teresa. Amen. I don't... You know, I think some of us Christians have forgotten that Jesus is coming back and he is going to hold us accountable for what he has placed in our stewardship. And Paul says I'm a steward of the gospel. I'm a minister of the gospel. This gospel has been given to me. This this truth. This this way of salvation. And that's what the gospel is. You got to and I'm going to show you I'm going to show you in just a minute we 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 diff dif, I can't even say the word. Dif, differentiate, dif, differentiate. See a division. Some teacher please help me with that. My Y'all know what I'm talking about. There you go. Are y'all with me that there is the scriptures, the word, and then you have the gospel. Okay. The gospel is what tells you how to get saved. And what Paul is saying, I have that gift. I have that resource. I have that treasure given to me to give to others. And I'm just a steward of it. I'm a steward of the gospel. But watch what he says too. He says, not only that, he says, I'm a steward I'm a minister of the church. I'm a minister of the church. He says in verse number, in, in verse number uh, uh, 24, verse number 24, he says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the affliction of Christ in my flesh, watch this, for his body's sake. Paul is in prison, remember? He's suffering. And he's saying, I'm suffering for the body's sake. Now, who is the body? The church, right? He said, "I'm going through this for the church's sake." Watch this now. The body's sake, which is the church. church. There's a the word. Watch this. The church, whereof I am made a minister. minister. So we see this. Look at your look at your uh, uh, your verses in your notes. He's not only a minister of the gospel, a steward of the gospel. He's a steward of the church, a servant of the church. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. 28, beside those things, and in this verse, if you want to go look that up, you'll find all the junk he's gone through, all the difficulty he's faced, all the persecutions he's endured. He said, and not only all of those things, but also those things that are without, that's all those sufferings and persecutions, but that which cometh upon me daily, the, everybody say it, the. The care of all the churches. Why do you think he went back and checked up on them? Because he was a steward. He was a servant. He was going to be accountable. He wanted to make sure they're going okay. They're doing right. Most of the letters that you find in the New Testament is Paul writing letters back to many churches that he started to fix the problems that he had. If he wasn't a good steward, he wouldn't worry about it. He wouldn't have gone back and checked on them. And he wouldn't have sent letters to fix the problems that they had. But he was a good steward. The Bible says, moreover, it is required in a steward that a man be found faithful. See, he's a steward of the church. Acts 15, 36. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let's go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, talking about all those churches that they started, and say it with me, see how they do. See how they do. Now, here's where I want to, here's where I know you're not the Apostle Paul and I'm not the Apostle Paul, but I want you to have the same concern and care for your church as Paul had for the church. Let's see how they do. Now, this is going to be a little convicting, especially for you heathens that stayed home tonight and watching. You should care about what happens here. You should care about the health of this local body of Christ. Listen, if you're so selfish that all you do is slip in and slip out and all you care about is what you get, you're, you're, you may not be saved. You may be religious, but if you don't care about the rest of the body, I have a real, I have a real problem believing that you got what I got. Because, see, God designed the body to care about the rest of the body. I mean, let's face it. When, when, you, when, you, when, when something happens to any part of your body, your body goes to the rescue of your body. I mean, this is not, this is not complicated, right? You, you walk through and you get up in the middle of the night, it's all dark, and you kick the side of the bed and you, you hit that big toe. Every part of your body goes to the rescue. Does, does, does God not say in the New Testament that when one suffers, we all suffer? When one is broken, we all broken. One weeps, we all weep. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. Listen, when somebody, when somebody gets blessed in here, we should all say, yeah! When somebody's suffering, we all suffer. If you don't have a care in the world for the body of Christ, you might, you might wonder if you're part of the body. Paul cared about those churches. Paul cared about how they were doing. Paul cared about their growth. Paul cared about their encouragement. Why do you think the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but exhorting one another? It, that means encouraging one another. We, you should be here. To, listen, for anything, you should be here to encourage each other. You should be here to encourage me to see you in here. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just preaching the Bible. As a steward, he cared. As a steward, he wanted to serve and make sure the churches were doing okay. And we can apply that to us. Guess what? This is is your church. This is your body. We're all a part of this thing together. And if if you don't have any concern how the body's doing, I I just got to wonder. I just got to wonder, are you part of the body? If you are, truly are, you're not being a very good steward. Not being too faithful. Amen? Amen? Moving right along. We're enjoying that point so well. A minister of the gospel. Let me let me I, I'm 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 going to say something else right there. Don't ever let anybody ever tell you again You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Yeah, I said it. If you don't, you most likely ain't a Christian. Because a Christian is a follower of Jesus. A follower means you're obedient to Jesus. And Jesus said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Y'all with me? Now, I would agree. I would agree. Attendance to church doesn't save you. But I will say this if you're saved, you will attend. Because there's some other stuff in there that we do that we'll get to in a minute. Amen. Amen, preacher. Preach on. He's a minister, a steward, a servant of the gospel. The gospel has been entrusted to him. Ladies and gentlemen, the gospel has been entrusted to us. All of us. Now see, when you see that that word minister in its real context, it completely takes the professionalism out. Well, I'm I'm not a minister. Well, you may not stand up and preach on a platform, but you're a minister. You're a steward. You're a servant. And, it's, and the gospel has been entrusted to all of us. Are y'all with me? Amen. And the, the care of the church has been entrusted to all of us. Why do you think there's so many one another's in the Bible? Love one another. Prefer one another. Y'all with me? Forgiving one another. All those one another's is our showing care for the church. Does that make sense? So guess what? What does that make all of us? Oh, don't get quiet now. What does that make all of us? Servants, stewards, ministers. So we can apply this to all of us. Church, say amen. We're a minister, a steward of the gospel. We're a minister, a steward of the church. Then see, he said, I'm a steward of the word. The word, the scriptures. He said, look what it says. He says in verse 25, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you. In other words, this stewardship that God has given me toward you. Watch this right here. To fulfill the The word the word of God. So he's a minister of the word. 1 Corinthians 4.1, look at your your notes. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. We'll talk about some of them in just a second. Stewards of the mysteries of God, the things that's in your New Testament. 2 Timothy 2.2, watch what he says. Now this is Paul speaking to Timothy. And the things that thou hast heard of me. The things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to. So they can do what? Who shall be able to. Somebody, Paul taught Timothy, Timothy taught Julio, and Julio taught Caesar, and Caesar taught Joe, and Joe taught Henry, and Henry taught Cletus, and Cletus somewhere found Malcolm. That's how it was. It just kept on and on and on and on and on, and I'm teaching you. So what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go tell somebody what you learned tonight. That's what that means. I'm making this as simple as we can make it. Okay? Because you're a steward of the word. What I learn, I come and share with you. Matter of fact, if it's really good to me, I share it with half the staff before you get it. I can't help it. It's cool, man. I learned this. All right. Stephen, you're learning new stuff in the study you're doing. You can't wait to tell somebody, can you? It's crazy. It's, 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 um, when you find a, a, a nugget man, you see, the, wow, I never saw that. i got to tell somebody. Listen, have you been a good steward and shared what you've learned of the Word? Now, see, we've we got to separate the gospel and the Word. The gospel is found in the Word. But there's more in the word than just the gospel. Y'all with me? The gospel is the good news. The gospel is the death, and resurrection of Christ. The gospel is you're a sinner. He's a savior. He'll save you. Just ask him. Say amen. Amen. How many of y'all agree that's good news? But in the word it says, forgive those who have wounded you. In the word it says, be ye holy for I am holy. In the word it says, be careful what you say. Let your your words be seasoned with grace. Say amen. Amen. The word says don't be committing adultery. The word says don't be coveting. The word says, are y'all with me? You See, we need to know how to be saved to go to heaven. But we need the rest of the word to know how to live till we get there. That's why you can't forsake the assembling. Because when we assemble, I give you the rest of it. Well, I'm already going to heaven, but you ain't acting right till you get there. I'm helping. I'm helping. Look. Paul says, I'm a minister. I'm a servant. A of the. Come on, everybody. Get with me. Of the gospel. gospel. So so the gospel has been entrusted to us to share with others so they can be saved too not only the care in 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 the stewardship of the gospel but be of the of the church we should care for the church and 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 see how we do listen are we good being good stewards of our brothers and sisters in Christ our body are we being good stewards see of the of the word of the word my goodness we've got an awesome awesome word that's been Given to us, it's precious, it's wonderful, it's powerful. We're a steward, we're ministers, we're servants. But then number two, we see a mystery. A mystery. Look what he says in verse 26. Now when he's talking about the word that he has been given, and he is a steward over, he says even the, what's that word? mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now, now, meaning New Testament time, but now is made manifest to his saints. Now watch this, watch this. Here's what I want you to see. Some things, everybody look at me, I'm gonna, I, I, I've got some stuff here that's not in, in your paper, so just listen, Okay. <clears throat> In Deuteronomy 29, 29, we find that there are some things that God tells no one. Okay? Has everybody got that? Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. All right? There are some things that you don't know that you ain't going to know. Okay? Okay? We think that we think that in this Bible, everything there is to know is in there. But that's not true. Everything that God wanted you to know is in there. But there are some things that God didn't put in there that we don't know and we ain't going to know. Are y'all with me? Excuse me, it's not good English. We are not going to know. But, so, there's some things God tells no one. But there's some things... God tells certain ones. There's some things God tells certain ones. Psalms 25, 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he will show them his covenant. Preacher, you mean to tell me there's some things that that sanctified, saved people know, the lost people don't? That's exactly what I'm telling you. There's some things that you know. There's some things that God has revealed to you that they just don't know. And they don't have. I used to, I used to get so frustrated and so angry and like, what is wrong with you people? Can you not see? They can't. It even goes on to say, the scriptures go on to say, that the God of this world hath blinded them. Not only has God not revealed it to them, but Satan has blinded them. So I don't know about you, but you should feel privileged that God lets you know some things. Yeah. But here's the third category. There's some things God tells no one. There's some things God tells certain ones. But there are some things that were mysteries that are revealed to us in the New Testament That was unknown in the Old Testament. Y'all with me? Why do you think the disciples were so confused all the time? Because there were some things that God knew all the time was going to happen, but he chose not to tell nobody in the Old Testament till it was revealed in the New Testament. Does that make sense? What are some of them? Now, there's several, but let me just give you a couple. First was, was the incarnate God. In other words, that God would actually become man. In Colossians 2, 2, and 3, it says that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding. Understand what? The acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, in the Old Testament, they had no idea that God was going to actually... Take on human flesh and become a man. But we know in the New Testament, it says, what are you going to call him? You're going to call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. They didn't know. In the beginning, John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Later on in I think it's verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us." See, they didn't know. They didn't know. That's why the Jews had a hard time, you know, receiving that. How can you be God? You're compared. That's why they killed him. The, the charge was blasphemy. You say you're God. Well, he did. You know why? He was. Right? It, it was a mystery. Israel's unbelief was a mystery. Israel's unbelief that they would not believe the Messiah. You see, all God did was tell them all through the Old Testament, the Messiah is coming. I promise you a hero. I promise you a savior. I'm going to send a Messiah. I'm going to send a deliverer. And, well, a mystery that they was not going to believe it when he got there. But God knew. Romans eleven twenty five. 25. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. Here it is. Remember what I said? A mystery was something that was previously unknown, but is now being revealed in the New Testament. Before we go any further, does everybody know that's what a mystery is? Okay? Now, that you should not be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceit, that, watch this, that blindness in part is happened to... Oh, yeah, that's right. You don't have this. Okay. <laughs> is <laughs> Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Now, what does that mean? God was going to let the Israelites be blind to the Messiah to give the chance for the Gentiles to come into the body, the church, before he reveals himself completely to them. And by the way, that will be after the tribulation period. Right now, we're in the time of the Gentiles. That's why the majority of the church, the body of Christ today, is Gentile and not Jewish. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. That was a mystery in the Old Testament. Oh, I like this one. How about the rapture? The rapture was a mystery in the Old Testament. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's where we get the word rapture from, to be called up. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be called up together to be with them in the clouds. It was a mystery in the Old Testament. They didn't understand that. But it's revealed by the Apostle Paul. The unity, and this is where we're getting, this is the one that we're primarily talking about tonight. The specific mystery that Paul's talking about here in Colossians is right here. The unity of Jew and Gentile together in the church. Ephesians 3, verse 3, says how that by revelation... How that by revelation he made known unto me, this is Paul speaking, he's saying, God revealed this to me, God revealed this to me, that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that by the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Now, what does that mean? In the very beginning, all you guys that went through the Acts study with us, You remember in the beginning, it was primarily Jews, right? Peter was the main character. He was the main, you know, preacher, speaker, so forth. And the Jews were getting saved. Thousands on the day of Pentecost. The Jerusalem church was growing like crazy. Well, they began to scatter abroad. And and what what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say in Acts 1-8? He said, you shall be witnessing to me in Judea, right? Judea. Samaria, into the uttermost parts of the earth, right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now keep this in mind. Samaria was half Jew and half Gentile. Okay? They were hated by the Jews. Y'all remember? That's why Jesus used the story of the good Samaritan. Because they're, that's an oxymoron. They could not be a good Samaritan. They're all wicked to the Jews. I mean, they believe many, the Gentiles or Samaritans didn't even have a soul. They wouldn't spit on them if they was on fire. If they came, they would walk on the opposite side of the street. They wouldn't even go through Samaria. They would go on the other side of the Jordan, on the east side, not the West Bank, but the East Bank. Go up around. That's why it was just odd for Jesus to say, I must needs go through Samaria. I mean, a a, a good Jew would not find himself in Samaria with them wicked heathen people but what God say the gospel going to them amen. and they were accepted and then it went to the Gentiles remember Cornelius remember Peter God had to prepare Peter You remember Remember the food, the, the, the dream you know the food came down and God said e- I believe it was bacon rat shrimp say amen, amen. <laughs> and don't deny it you don't know what it was we know it wasn't kosher. And bacon wrapped shrimp sure ain't kosher, amen? I'm telling you, I'm telling you. There's a lot of people that are real legalistic and they still want, they still, you know, go by the Jewish dietary law and they're going to be mad when they get to heaven. Somebody say amen. I love pork. How about y'all? I'd eat the oink if I could catch it. I like everything on a hog, amen. amen. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked, amen. Because I'm hungry, I ain't had no dinner. I'm just thinking about that pig, amen. Run him down. He had to tell Peter, rise and eat. Peter said, I ain't never done it. I ain't ate that. I'm 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 a good Jew. He said, Rise it three times. And Peter's like, What is this about? And about that time Cornelius' servant came, remember? Remember in the book of Acts and said, Hey, come come see us. And when he got there, They were inquiring and, and, oh, Peter gets it now. Peter gets it now. He said, look, God has shown me that he wants you guys too. But see, that was hard for the Jewish people. Because for for years and years and years and years and years, the Jews were God's chosen people. But see, they had so twisted that. Yeah, they were chosen, but they were chosen to be a light to the rest of the world. But they had this idea that we're good and y'all are terrible. We're good and y'all are evil. God hates y'all and he loves us. So they could not not even fathom. They could not even fathom. They wouldn't even eat with them. That God would bring Jew and Gentile together. By the way, if you're not familiar with that terminology, a Gentile is anybody that's not a Jew. It was not of the seed of Abraham. It was just unheard of. I mean, it was unheard of. Because it was a mystery. They just didn't get it. But Paul is telling you. Let me tell you. God has shown me by revelation that God loves them Gentiles do. And we're not Jew or Gentile anymore in the church. We're just one in Christ. And all God's people see it. So is everybody familiar with a mystery now? Well, let's look at specifically what he's dealing with here in Colossians. All right. Let's look at that. Y'all learning anything? All right, look what it says, verse twenty six. Verse twenty six. Even the, I hope y'all say it out loud too. Y- y'all know in Fairview when I, when I stop, that means you holler it out. All right, so so make sure make sure they hear it good over there. Ring Tim's ears out there. All right, all right. You ready? Even the mystery, mystery which hath been yeah. hid from ages and from generation, but now is made manifest in His saints. Now, what is the mystery? What is the specific mystery? Remember there's several of them. There's more than I gave you. I just for time's sake. But what is he specifically talking about here in Colossians? To whom here's the mystery? To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. Whom we preach. Watch this warning every man that means Jew and Gentile. Gentile. We warn every man, teaching every, every man that we may present every. every man. So what is the mystery? Write this down. The included Gentiles. He is telling them, he is telling them God's including Gentiles. Right? It says in Ephesians 3, 6, we read this a while ago, look at the notes, look at the notes. That the Gentiles should be, what's that word? Fellow, fellow heirs. heirs. In other words, we're in this thing together. We're all together in the church. We're of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel. So in the gospel, in the church, we're all one. There's no hierarchy. There's no, there's no separation. There's no divide. We're all the same. Amen. Hallelujah. So the mystery in this case was the included Gentiles. Then B, the indwelling God. The indwelling God. Look what it says. Look what it says. Verse 27. It says, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. You see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit wasn't in everybody. He would just come and go, right? You remember when David messed up really bad? And in his prayer, he said, said, Remove not thy Holy Spirit from me. You see, he knew. He knew that, listen, this was not a guarantee. You remember when, when God removed his spirit off of King Saul because of his rebellion and disobedience? You remember when Samson... When the Holy Spirit would fall upon Samson, the Holy Spirit would, and he would do mighty works. But see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and and go. But see, here's the mystery. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, he came for good. I'm glad I've got God in me. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. He is in you. And if he is in you, he's going to be in you till Jesus comes. You're sealed by him. He is the earnest of our inheritance. We are sealed by the Holy Ghost. He's not in you till you do something bad. He's not in you till you make a mistake. He's not in you till you fail and fall. He's in you for good. Somebody say amen. And that is a blessing. That should give you assurance. That should give you encouragement. That should help you sleep at night. That you're sealed by the Holy Ghost. But it also also should scare you to death. Because he knows. Y'all with me? That means he, you ain't going to hide nothing from him. Right? So, the indwelling God. What a blessing that is. The mystery was the included Gentiles. Then we see the indwelling God. He said, Christ in you. Man, that's so good. Because see, you see, what, imagine this. <clears throat> Let me put it this way. There's a difference there's a difference. Let's imagine we're, we're, we want to play golf. And if this was possible, if this was possible, all right, you've got to play and you've got to win. Your life depends on it, right? Your life depends on it. If you don't win, it's over for you, buddy, okay? If it was possible for Tiger Woods Would you rather this one or two things for Tiger Woods to stand there and say, this is how you do it. Or if it was possible for Tiger Woods to come in you and play for you. You see the difference? God is not saying do this and do that. He is saying, I'm going to come in you. And do it through you. You see how encouraging that is? I'm not on my own. I don't have to depend on my ability. I don't have to depend on my intellect. I don't have to depend on it. I, it's him. That's why Paul kept saying, it's God that worketh in me. Paul did incredible feats, incredible things in the ministry. But he kept saying, it ain't me, it's God in me. Quit saying you can't do it. I know you can't do it. It's not you doing it to begin with. There is no way in God's green earth that I would even stand up here by myself. It's the anointing. I'm telling you, I wouldn't even be on the front row. I'd be with them spiritual people in the back, amen? (laughs) And see, y'all laugh, y'all think that's funny because y'all don't believe none of that, but if you're on staff, you've been anywhere with me out in public or on a plane or anywhere, you know I'm terrified. I am shy. But see, I can do this because he's in me. Stop saying you can't witness. Stop saying you can't share your faith. Stop saying you can't be the Christian you need to be. He's in you. I know it's a mystery, but I'm revealing it to you. I'm telling you right now, he is in you. Say amen. Amen. Not only that, there's something even better. Say, how could it be better than that? Look what he says. So the mystery, A, the mystery is what? Included. Come on, guys, get with me. I only got eight minutes. Y'all are not listening fast enough. I told you I had rollover minutes from last week. Y'all ready? A. Included Gentiles. That was a mystery. They didn't know that back then. They know it now. B. Indwelling God. God. Back then in the Old Testament, he came and went. But in the New Testament, he come for good. Amen. Then C. The inspiring glory. The inspiring glory. Look what it says. It says, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory The glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. glory. What does he say in Romans 8, 18? For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know what that means? That means we're going to share in his glory. We're going to be able to experience God in all of his glory. We can't do that now. We can't do that. God told, what what did Moses say? Moses said, show me that glory. He said, I can't do it. Because if I showed you my glory, it'd kill you. You wouldn't be able to live. Y'all with me? So he had to put him in the cleft of the rock, covered him up, went by, and Moses got to see what was left over. Y'all with me? The residue, the residue of his glory. I know what you're thinking. Well, big deal. Well, guess what? The residue of his glory made his face glow. When he went back down, hey, he had to cover his face because the glory of God was all over him just from the residue. And Paul is saying, I have suffered beyond human comprehension, but I want everybody to know whatever suffering you're going through, whatever pain you've experienced, whatever's broken your heart, none of that can be compared to what you're going to get when you get to the glory. Amen. They didn't know that in the Old Testament. They didn't understand that. They didn't understand the blessing. They didn't understand, listen, exactly what all God had prepared for him. But he's revealing it in the New Testament. Thank God for the mystery. Say amen. amen. Let's hurry. Let's hurry. We got one more. The mission. The mission. Look what he says. Paul's got a mystery and he's going to share it. And he uses two two words. Verse 28. Whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now, let's break that down. Whom we preach. Okay, okay. Here's the activity. A, look right down to activity. This is where Paul is holding up the football. Y'all remember in the beginning? We're going back to the basics right here. Paul's holding up the football. This, my friends, is a football. (laughs) Paul is is addressing the church, and he's saying, this is what we do. We preach. You get me? Now, keep in mind, keep in mind. There's two different things fixing to happen here. All right, in the activity, write this down. There's preaching, and I put beside that. What I put beside that? Warning. Look what he says. Whom we verse twenty eight. Whom we preach. What's that next word? Warning. warning. What is preaching? It's warning. The word preach here means to proclaim. Now, I want everybody to get, out of, get it out of your head that preaching is what I'm doing right now. I'm not preaching right now. I'm teaching right now. Amen. And don't think, because when I was growing up, you know, I went to church my whole life, and, and I've been around preachers and, and everything and all that. And, and my, I thought, the preacher, you got to have an outline, and you got to spit to the third row and be sweating when you're done. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Y'all, come on. Y'all got some church background. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's a preacher. That's what a preacher does. You know, he's got a holler and stuff. I remember I was so timid. I was so timid. And, and when I first started preaching, I, man, my outlines lasted about three and a half minutes long. I had 10 pages notes, those, maybe three and a half minutes. And man, I wanted to preach like my dad. You got to understand, my dad, boy, he was, he'd go after He's like a husker Barn a chainsaw. When he's preaching, he'd, his sweat would drip off his tie. He had preached so hard. I said, Dad, when am I going to preach like you, man, and holler and sweat? He said, Son, you ain't got nothing behind to sweat like me. <laughs> Boy, that's was spiritual, wasn't it? But I thought, that's preaching. That's what you spoke. But the word preach here, it means proclaim. It means to make announcement. Like a, a, a town crier would herald, proclaim. And what is he preaching? A warning. So this is what I, I want you to put in your head. Preach the gospel. What is the gospel? You're warning people they're sinners, but there's a savior. There is a hell, but there is a heaven. Are y'all with me? And when Paul came to town, he was proclaiming the gospel. Say that with me. Amen? He's warning people. Paul said he warned people with tears night and day, proclaiming. So you don't have to have a tie, you don't have to have a suit, you don't have to have a platform. All you have to have is a message. And you got it. It's the gospel. So everybody in here is preachers. You warn people. You proclaim the gospel. Are y'all with me? Now watch. Now watch. Now watch this. Preaching equals. Come on people. Preaching equals Warning. warning. But then there's teaching. Isn't that the other activity? Whom we preach warning, every man, teaching every man in all wisdom. Wisdom. So, what do we do in the church? What do we do in the church? Well, let me back up. I'm, I'm almost getting ahead of myself. One minute. Titus 1.1. But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching. preaching. First Corinthians 1.21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the Amen. foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So that's that warning. That's that gospel. You're proclaiming the gospel, right? Now, watch this. Teaching. In the Great Commission, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and, the Holy, and, and of the Holy Ghost. What's that verse? Verse 20. Teaching. teaching them. So after you win them, you teach them. them. You proclaim. You preach for warning. You teach for wisdom. wisdom. You see, you you need to know more than just how to get to heaven. You need to learn how to quit acting like hell. Y'all with me? We got to get the devil out of us. And I I don't mean literally the devil. I'm talking about the way we used to be. We have to learn how to talk right. Learn how to live right. Learn how to treat each other. Learn how to deal with problems. Learn how to associate. Learn how to, y'all with me? That's why you got to be here. You cannot forsake the assembling of yourselves together because you need to know more than just how to get to heaven. You need to know how to live till you get there. The Great Commission is not finished by winning somebody. He says, after you win them, you got to teach them. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So preaching is for, come on everybody, preaching is for And teaching is for wisdom. 2 Timothy 2, 24 says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to, patient in meekness. What's that word? Come on, everybody. Say it with me. Instructing those that oppose themselves. Now, let's look at the aim. Why do we preach and why do we teach? Why do we preach and why do we teach? Here's the aim. It says in verse number 28, whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Now, remember, the word perfect doesn't mean without flaw. It means complete. It means finished. Now, don't, don't worry about wrapping up nothing. Look at me. Look at me. Look at your notes. Look at your notes. Watch this. Ephesians 4.11 is probably the clearest defining of, of what that's all about. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, he's talking about the church, the body. Some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the what? Perfecting of the saints. That means developing, maturing, completing, right? For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till, in other words, we got a destination, what we're trying to accomplish. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Why Why do we need to know more about Jesus? Unto a perfect Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The perfect man will look like Christ. That's what it's saying. Watch this. <clears throat> that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every... A, a child to believe whatever you tell them. The yeah. yeah. child will believe whatever you tell them. Guess what? A baby Christian will believe whatever you tell them. Yeah. That's why you have to develop. You have to mature. You have to grow. You have to learn. Because there's people out there that wants to deceive you. But watch this now. But speaking the truth in love. We've been doing a lot of that the last few weeks, haven't we? You've got to tell the truth. But man, do it with tears in your eyes. Speak the truth in love. May. Say it with me. May. Grow up into. Who's the him? Jesus. May grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even now, what does that mean? That means we preach and we teach so you can grow up. Amen. Y'all remember what we used to ask the little kids or you was asked as a kid? What do you want to be when? You grow up. Some of y'all are the Toys R Us commercial. <laughs> Some of these young guys are, what? <laughs> I don't want to. I'm Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I get these things in my head. We preach and we teach, right? We preach and we teach so you can grow up, grow up into. Right, right. So anytime anybody else asks you, what do you want to be when you grow up? What are you going to tell them? Right. I want to be Jesus. Yeah. The Lord. I want to be more like. Jesus. Look here, one more verse. We'll quit. I'm going over. I'm going. I, they, when I got out early, all them children's workers back there complained about it. I said, you wait the next week. <laughs> <laughs> Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Now, we love to quote that because we want to know that the bad stuff in our life works out for our good, right? Yeah. But there's more to it than that. Right. And really, that ain't even what it's talking about. It means the good stuff and the bad stuff is going to work for you or work to develop you. Y'all with me? To do what? What is his purpose? Verse 29. Here's his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be to the... Wow. You see, here's what this means. God predetermined for you to be just like Jesus. And so he developed a plan. He developed a plan so you could be just like Jesus. It's called the local church. It's called preaching and teaching. God doesn't just want you to get to heaven. Look at me, everybody. God wants you to look like Jesus when you get there. Amen. So my goal is to not keep from offending you. I'm here to offend all of you. That's right. Well, the cat, you're rubbing the cat wrong. Cat needs to turn around. That's right. And all God's people said. He wants us to look like Jesus. And by the way, all you ministers in here, keep this in mind. God didn't say teaching to look like you. God said teaching to look like Jesus. Wait, anyway, that's a we can't you start on that. That'll be a long one. Stand up. Stand up. Travis knows where that's headed. <clears throat> Amen. Isn't God good? Amen. Listen, listen, here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen? Amen. God don't care who you are, don't, God don't care where you are, Jew, Gentile, poor, rich, good, bad, indifferent, it doesn't matter. He'll take you. But keep in mind, he'll take you just like you are. But he will not leave you that way. He wants you to become like Jesus. It's not just about getting to heaven. It's about looking like Jesus when you get there. What did Paul say? I want to be able to present you. When I get to heaven and I bring my crew with me, that's y'all. I want us to look more like Jesus than any other crew on the planet. So we're going to keep teaching and we're going to keep preaching. And all God's people say it.